let's begin. We're going to talk about uh, Shavuot. So um, it's interesting. We celebrate uh, and we're very happy to receive a book filled with rules, regulations, and restrictions. Like what's, what's wrong with us? You know, that's what we're happy about. I heard a cute joke by a, a, a comedian. He said, after reading much about the dangers of uh, drinking liquor and uh, smoking cigarettes, it became clear to me that I must immediately stop reading. <laughs> so uh, when you open up the Torah and you start reading all the don't do this and everything fun seems to be forbidden, uh, it, you know, uh, it, it, we can understand why there's a lot of people who are stop, stopping to read. And uh, we are going to try and understand what is it that we're celebrating? You know, what did we really get and why would we really love, love that? Um, so, um, Uh, so, you know, when I was a teenager, I, I did not grow up religious. I grew up feeling very Jewish because I always felt guilty. So I knew I must be Jewish. <laughs> but, um, um, but, you know, I was very much into rock and roll. I really loved rock and roll. One of my favorite bands was, and now I'm dating myself, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. And uh, I remember one of their songs, and I don't remember almost any songs of my teenage years, but this song, the, the, this particular line just stuck out, which is you who are on the road must have a code that you can live by. And I remember when I heard that as a kid, when I was maybe 16, 15 years old, that bothered me. I just felt like, hmm, I don't have a code. I feel I'm on a road, but I don't have a code to live by. And thank God I discovered, or maybe Tari discovered me when I was 17 years old and began my journey back to Judaism then and suddenly had a code. So uh, what are we celebrating? Well, we're celebrating to have a code. That's not a small thing to have a code, especially when you're on a road. Uh, but a friend of mine who's a rabbi and he's a genius rabbi. Whenever he's invited to speak, he doesn't even ask what the topic is until he arrives because he doesn't need to prepare. As soon as he gets there, they tell him the topic. He just downloads. So he was invited to speak on a campus and he, he arrived and he said, well, what's the topic? And they said, well, we're waiting for the other panelists. He said, panelists? He said, yeah, the debate. It's a debate. This is a debate? And, and this was so not his thing. Uh, yes, it's a debate. Uh, the topic is whether God gave the Torah at Sinai. And uh, we're waiting for the conservative rabbi, the reform rabbi, the reconstructionist rabbi. You, of course, are the orthodox rabbi. And you'll be debating whether the Torah is from God. Well, this was absolutely not his topic. And he was trapped but he was given the opportunity to speak first. And this is what he said. He said, my friends, you know, before I could address whether the Torah is from God, I think we need to discuss whether we think we even need a Torah from God. Because if we don't think we need a Torah from God, it won't make a difference if we think it's from God or not, because we don't think we need it. Well, I would like to suggest that we really, really need a Torah from God because we're, only, we're the only creatures in the world that don't know who we are, why we are, and what we're supposed to do. Animals seem to know who they are and what they're supposed to do. Uh, a dog is a dog is a dog, doesn't think he's a cat. And a cat is a cat and doesn't think he's a dog. Uh, and not only that, you know, bees, they have very advanced communities that are built on a, a political structure. There's the queen bee, there's the worker bees. 
And the queen bee goes out and she scouts out where the pollen is. She comes back and she delivers a message to the worker bees uh, through a dance called the Dance of the Eight. I actually literally saw this. And she dances in the figure of an eight and she communicates where the pollen is uh, somewhere on Highway 8. And, uh, the, uh, and the bees know what to do. Nobody questions why she's the queen bee. Nobody questions why, uh, why they're the worker bees. They know what to do. They know how to do it. And, the, and none of them have degrees from college. Mm-hmm. Now, none of them went to, went to, you know, uh, to Harvard. They, they all know what to do. And that's just programmed in them. Uh, we're the only creatures in the world that don't know who we are. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know how to do it. And we desperately need guidance. Mm-hmm. That's how we began. And I think that alone is great reason to celebrate because I say to my students quite regularly that I chose to be a rabbi and to teach Torah, not because of the huge bucks that I'm making, you know, even though I am making huge bucks, right? I just sold my my Mercedes Benz, you know, (laughs) but uh, not because of the great money that we make. It's not for the money, it's for the meaning. And uh, I don't teach Torah because I think it's true, although I do think it's true. But I think math is true, and I don't teach math. Uh, I teach Torah not because I think it's true. I teach Torah because I think it's great. Because it's given me a guide. It's given me a context. It has given me the most incredible wisdom on who I am and how to live my life and how to raise my family and how to be in a meaningful community. So that alone is a good reason to celebrate. But I want to take it a little bit deeper than that, although I think that alone is pretty amazing that the Torah is God's good book to the good life. Uh, But I want to go deeper than that. There is a very cryptic story in the Talmud about how the Jewish people got the Torah. It says that Moses climbed into the heavenly realm where the angels were. And when the angels saw Moses arrive, they were very disturbed by his presence and turns to God and says, what is this human being doing up here amongst us? And Hashem said, oh, don't worry. He's not staying. He just came to pick up something. He's come to pick up the Torah and he'll be going. Well, that did not calm them. In fact, that made them even more disturbed because they said, what? You're going to give him and his people the Torah? I mean, you've been holding on to that Torah for generations, And now you're going to give it to them. They're going to desecrate your name. So Hashem says to Moshe, Moshe, you're going to have to take it from here. You're going to have to provide credentials for you and your people to receive the Torah. So Moses says, you know, Hashem, I don't even match the breath of these angels. If they blow on me, I'm out of here. I don't have even the substance of angel breath. So uh, how am I going to stand up to these angels? So Hashem says, okay. Here, I'll, 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 I'll give you a kickstart. You hold on to my holy throne, and but then you're going to have to talk on your own. So it says that Moses grabbed onto the holy throne of God, and, uh, and he begins to present his case. He says to Hashem, what's in the Torah? Hashem says, I am God, your God who took you out of Egypt. Moses turns to the angels. Angels, were you slaves for hundreds of years in Egypt? Do you suffer that trauma? That, did you experience that torture? Angels say, no, we're angels. So he probably says, well, we did. So he says, Hashem, what else is in your Torah? Hashem says, uh, you shall have no other gods before me. 
Moses says, you have to understand what idolatry is. Most people think that idolatry is just a theology, a confused theology where people would bow down to trees and the sun and the moon. No, it was not that. Idolatry was the deification of nature. In the deification of nature, basically, whatever is natural is godly sanctioned. So if you naturally want to kill somebody, then you have to honor that nature. That's the word of God. So if you were to say to a lion, listen, it's not ethical that you're ripping that little lamb apart, that's like unethical. That lion has been mandated by nature, who is God, to do what he does. And so idolatry was a very attractive way of living because a lot of idolatry revolved around orgies, holy prostitution. It was a license for the, most, uh, for, for the, for the utmost of promiscuity. And the Talmud says that there were no Jews that actually believed in idolatry philosophically. They just liked it. <laughs> you know, it gave them license for their evil little urges. And so you have to understand that idolatry was a huge, huge challenge to people. So Moses turns to the angels and says, angels, do you live in a society that's the idolatrous, that's seductive and promiscuous and and the angels say, no, we're angels. And Moses proudly says, well, we do. Okay, well, he says to Hashem, well, what else is in your Torah? And Hashem says, well, you know, keep the Shabbat. And he says to them, well, you know, do you work? Do you need your rest? They say, no. Well, he proudly says, well, we do. So what else is in your Torah? And Hashem says, you know, honor your mother and your father. So Moshe turns to the angel and says, angels, do you go to therapy? Well, that's actually my uh, interpretation of it. But uh, they, they say, well, no, heck, we're, we're angels. We don't have, you know, you know, the joke about these two mothers bragging about their sons. One says, you know, Yiddish mamas. One says, my son, he loves me so much. He bought me a ticket on a cruise around the world for an entire year. He loves me so much, right? The other one says, ah, you call that love. My son, he loves me so much. Every week he sits with someone and he speaks about me for an hour and he pays $500 just to talk about me. She's in therapy. <laughs> okay, so, you know, so you know, the angels say, no, we, 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 don't, we don't have that issue. And Moses goes through just the Ten Commandments. And he points out to them that this is completely inappropriate to them, totally irrelevant to them. And then his final point is this. Do you have a yetzah hara? Do you have an urge for evil? And they say, no, we're angels. And Moses proudly says, well, we do. And the angels are floored. I don't know what that would mean like in heaven when you're floored in heaven. But the angels are blown away and they are impressed they, before they said you're going, they don't give them the Torah, they're going to desecrate the Torah. Moses just gave them, you know, uh, evidence that we will desecrate the Torah. You know, we've got everything it takes to, to blow this. And, uh, and, and they're now impressed that he finally says we have a Yetzirah and you don't. They were so impressed, the Talmud says. This is the Talmud Shabbat. They were so impressed that they said, please, we want to give you a secret that you can use when life gets so dangerous and you are so challenged that this might be the end of Jewish history, here's a secret from the angels. We want a cut. We want a share in human incorporated, okay? In Jewish people incorporated, be more specific. All right, this story makes very little sense. It's a very disturbing story. Now, do we take it literally? 
I don't know, but we definitely take it seriously because it's definitely our rabbis teaching us something very deep about what it means to receive the Torah in our lives and what we're celebrating. Well, so the way we can crack open this, this uh, cryptic piece is to define what an angel is because it makes no sense. Why does Moses have to go to an angelic realm to get the Torah? Why do the angels want the Torah? They obviously have no clue what's in it. So why did they even think it had anything to do with them? They don't know anything about it. They say that, that he's going to just create God's name. And then he basically proves to them that it's very likely we will. We're really, we're really primed for that. And, uh, and, and that our ultimate ultimate credentials for receiving the Torah, what makes us so great is we're not so great and that we have a Yetzirah. All this makes no sense. The way we could understand this is by understanding what an angel is. Uh, you know, and an angel in our tradition is not like maybe what we saw uh, growing up, uh, you know, during holiday seasons in America you know, where you've got Christmas time and they got these little angels looking at each other with little wings. That's not angels, right? That's not angels. An angel is an agent, a shaliach in Hebrew. An agent, if I appoint you to be my agent, that means that I have given you the power of attorney to represent me, to act on my behalf. And insofar as the mission that I've appointed you to do, you are equal to me. You have my status. You have my power. So let's say, for instance, that I'm dating a girl and she's in the North Pole uh, and I don't want to miss her. I mean, what is my shit of doing in the North Pole? She's chilling out. So I'm waiting. I want to meet her and I'm afraid some Eskimo is going to take my girl. So but I'm not going to be in the North Pole, uh, not in the very near future, but I don't want to lose my girl. Well, so I find myself a shaliach. I appoint someone to be my agent on my behalf to betroth this woman in, you know, Alaska on my behalf. He can do that. By the way, where will I find an agent, a shliach that can do this for me? Lubavitch. Of course, there's always going to be a Chabadnik somewhere. So I ask a Chabadnik in Alaska to do this, and he's able to make sure that she's married to me. That's unbelievable. That's a shaliach. What is an angel? A shaliach. Okay. Why is Moses going to the heavenly realm to get the Torah? Because this is a paradigm shift. Most people think that Torah and mitzvahs are good deeds. No, much, much more than that. A mitzvah is a mission. When you accept a mitzvah, you are basically being given the power of attorney to represent Hashem and act on his behalf. Now we understand a fundamental principle in Judaism that says that you're supposed to do mitzvahs l'shem shemayim for, in God's name, for God's sake. Well, for God's sake, what does it mean to do something for God's sake? Because literally we are living the mitzvahs on behalf of God, in God's name. God is giving us the power of attorney to represent him and to perform these mitzvahs. When we receive the mitzvahs, we are becoming human angels. The angels didn't know what was in the Torah, but what they knew it was a mission. 
They knew it was something that was related to being given the power of attorney to represent the Shem and act on his behalf. They didn't know what it was. And they're probably wondering for generations, who's going to get this mission? Who is going to get this mission? Which one of us is going to get this mission? You know, okay, so Raphael, he got the mission to heal. He was appointed by God. He, you know, was given the power of attorney to heal in the name of God, with the power of God. Okay, what is this mission? They didn't know what the mission was, but they knew it must be something huge. And then showing up to heaven, knocking on heaven's door, is, uh, is this, this old man with a stutter. And they don't know what he's doing there. And Hashem says, well, he came to get the Torah. And they said, what? You're going to give him and his people this mission? Don't give it to them. They can't perform any mission. They're losers. They're fraught with frailty. And, and, and they, they can't be trusted. So Hashem says to Moshe Bainer, you see, you need to know who you are. You need to know what's great about you and your people. And so Moshe begins to ask Hashem what's in, and Hashem tells him what's in. And Moshe basically makes a case that you don't understand, angels. You know who we are. You know why we qualify for the mission? Because we're traumatized, okay? And we are in therapy. <laughs> we, have, uh, we live in a seductive environment that is, is so, so promiscu promiscuous. And we have a Yetzirah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> we have a Yetzirah. And they are really impressed. Because what's the mission? What is the mission? One second. My wife is calling me. That's my mission to answer. One second. What is the mission? The mission is, you see, we were all told when we were children that God is good. And God is good. But I want to share with you how good is God. God is better than what we think good is. God is very good. But what do we mean by that? You see, what are the parameters of good? Hashem is absolute good. Let's say I have two friends. One is good, was good, always will be good, cannot but be good. Uh, he's good. He's obsessively, compulsively good. Uh, he sees the mitzvah to perform hospitality, he's been doing that. He cannot not be doing that. He's always been doing that. He is obsessed of doing that. Okay, does he do kindness? Does he do hospitality? Yes, he does. But let's say I have another friend and he has a Yetzirah and uh, he's not so uh, easily hospitable. Uh, and he opens up the Torah and he sees there a mitzvah to be hospitable. Now, that doesn't come easy to him, and he doesn't feel like it, but he chooses to do it anyways, because it's the right thing to do. It's the good thing to do. Which one of my friends demonstrated a richer form of kindness? The one who is kind, was kind, always will be kind, cannot but be kind, or the one who chose to be kind, even when he didn't feel like it? I think we all agree that the one who chose to be kind is demonstrating a rich form of kindness. Well, so let's go back to God. God is absolute good. In fact, God is the personification of all good. Hence the name God from the word good. Well, does God have the ability to demonstrate a goodness born of choice? God doesn't have a Yitzhah. So would it be possible that God is not able to make manifest a goodness born of choice? Well, it's very possible. 
because he's got you and me. That's our mission. What qualifies us for the mission? You know, when you send a shliach, it's because you're asking to do something that you right now can't do. Is there something God can't do or actually can do through us? And the answer is yes. It's mitzvahs. A mitzvah is more than a commandment. A mitzvah is an appointment. A mitzvah is Hashem giving us the power of attorney to act on his behalf, to perform an act of goodness through choice by saying no to our Yetzirah and yes to God. That is what a mitzvah is. That's why a share kiddishanu b'mitzvotah. You made us holy through your mitzvahs. Well, holiness is a status that God has. Kadosh Hashem. He's a Kadosh Baruch Hu. And Hashem says, Kadoshim to you, you shall become holy. Ki Kadosh, because I am holy. We are able to share the status of holiness, the very status of God, when we accept the mission and accept the agency that God has appointed us to act on his behalf to do these mitzvot. And that is something to celebrate. You know, Rabbi Tversky, Zichron of Racha, who uh, anything he wrote or, re, or, 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 or any, any, any chance you can hear him, he, he was just such a special rabbi and a tremendous loss for us. Rabbi Tversky was a psychiatrist, and he said that he believes that we could trace all psychological disorders other than chemical disorders to low self-esteem. People not loving themselves and believing in themselves. And what takes us through the roof here is, is mitzvahs. Mitzvahs is Hashem's vote of confidence that we are being given the power of attorney to represent Hashem and share his status of holiness. We are now of the equal status of holiness in so much as we're doing that mitzvah and accepting that mission. And that takes our sense of self through the roof or actually through heaven, higher than the roof. And, uh, you know, I once heard a fellow say that a rabbi that was uh, very well, you know, uh, traveled the world. And he said to me, you know, in my experience, most people actually do believe in God. So why are they not religious? Because they don't believe God believes in them. And that's the problem. And who needs a God that doesn't believe in them? I got a dad that doesn't believe in me. I got a mom that doesn't believe in me. My brothers, my sisters, my teachers didn't believe in me, right? And now I have this invisible, you know, God that's everywhere I go reminding me that he doesn't believe in me. Well, I want you to know that it's just the opposite. Receiving the Torah is Hashem saying, I so believe in you. Not only that, I have such admiration for you because there's something that I want to do that I can't do without you. And that's choose good. Do you hear that point? It's really very powerful. Very, very powerful. You know, the other day, my, my daughter, uh, my daughter is a teacher. She teaches grade three. And she told me that they had a teacher uh, parents meeting and and she has a child in her class that's the worst kid she's ever had in her in all her years as a teacher. And she's had to be extremely harsh with this little girl. This girl so misbehaves and so disrupts the class that my daughter said, I have never been so I've never had to scream that much, and yell and and, and so much 
And I was really, I was really dreading this meeting with the parents. And the mother comes in and said, teacher Liadia, my daughter says you're the best teacher she's ever had. She just loves you. And I was shocked because I've never been so harsh with this child ever. And, and I was surprised and I said to the mother, why? And she said, she, she, she said, you know, I know you yell at her a lot and, and she knows that too. But when after you give a rebuke, you always smile at her. And she said, I know that Mora Liadia is angry at my behavior, but loves me. Loves me. Well, so too, we have to understand that Hashem loves us. That he might be, so to speak, angry with our behavior, but he knows who we are. He knows what we're dealing with. In fact, most kids, their greatest challenge is how they feel about the Yetzahara. And they feel so bad about themselves because they've got such a huge Yetzahara and they feel this is a sign that God doesn't love me, that I have failed him, and that I am a loser. And this Gemara is turning all that around. And this Gemara is telling us that your greatest asset is your Yetzahara. Because without that Yetzahara, you would not be primed for the ability to choose good. And it's precisely the fact that you have, you know, often feelings of not wanting to do kindness, not wanting to guard your tongue, and you choose to do it anyways. Wow, that is our job on earth. So what is it that we received at Sinai? We got a holy job. We were given a mission to accomplish. Hashem gave us the power of attorney. We have been given the power of attorney to represent God on earth. These are, so to speak, mitzvotavs. These are his mitzvot. He would like to do these mitzvahs, right? But he can't, not as a mitzvah, because it does say in the Gemara that Hashem wears tefillin. Moshe Rabbeinu saw the back of Hashem's tefillin, but Hashem wears tefillin, but can't wear them as a mitzvah because Hashem never has a problem getting out of bed and doesn't have a challenge. I forgot where I put my tefillin. No, none of that problems, right? The advantage we have is that we have great disadvantages. And that's the cutting edge of the greatness of the human being. You know, in the secular world, freedom is I can do what I feel like doing. That's not freedom. That's being a slave to your feelings. Animals do what they feel like doing. The greatness of the human being is we can choose to do what we don't feel like doing, but we do it anyways because it's the right thing to do. It's the good thing to do. It's the godly thing to do. And for that, we have every reason to celebrate because the greatest gift we can give our children and the world is a healthy sense of self because that's what's going on. People can be incredibly successful and yet they feel bad about themselves. And Judaism actually didn't come to make us feel worse about ourselves, which is sadly a lot of kids think that is what Judaism is doing to them. Actually, Judaism is Hashem's vote of confidence in your amazing ability to choose good. And whatever, 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 Hashem is on our side. He knows who we are. He knows the challenges that we face. He loves the fact that we have those challenges because that's exactly why we're able to be in such service. The Talmud says that when God saw the end of the creation, he said, it's very good. Our sages tell us good is the good inclination. Very good is the bad inclination. How is it that the bad inclination is very good? 
Well, you see, my friend who is good, was good, and always will be good, he's good. But my friend who has a Yetzirah and he chooses to do good, he's very good. And that's the question. Is God good or is God very good? The Torah says, a part of God is his people. What part of God, or to be more specific, what part of absolute good are we? We're the very good part of God. If we choose to say no to our Yetzirah and yes to the mission, the godly mission that we've been gifted. That's what I wanted to share. And now I'd be happy to hear your questions or comments. Thank you very much. By the way, before I forget, I don't know if you know, but right now we just started a couple hours ago, our 36 hour campaign to raise $360,000 towards uh, scholarships for next year. We have a lot of requests for scholarships. Next year, we have 82 guys. We've never had so many guys. I don't know where we're gonna put them all. Uh, we took only skinny guys. Now, I don't know where <laughs> we're gonna put all those guys, but, uh, you know, but Baruch Hashem. So we definitely, definitely need your help. So if you can go online <clears throat> and, uh, and that would be amazing, whatever you could find in your heart to give. Uh, that would be truly helpful. So any questions or comments? We will donate, Rabbi, and thank you so much for such insights. And look for my page so, so that the yeshiva thinks I, I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> all right, any, any questions or comments? Well, I know it's always like this. It's always hard to get the first question, so I start with the second question. Okay. So let's hear the second question then later on if somebody comes up with the first question. Any questions about what I shared or what I... Uh... Hi, Rabbi. Um, I'm Risa Schiff. I'm Moshe Schiff's mom. Um, ah, hi. Hi. Yes. Um, I was told angels are, their derach is they have one job. They yes. only have one thing to do. Because right. they only have one thing to do. We um, have all of these mitzvahs to do. So tied into what you're saying is that Hashem is, quote unquote, our voter confidence in us by giving yeah. us all these different things. Then we're on. Are we on that? We're not on that level of angels, though. Right. OK, I'm glad you brought that up. So we have a general mission, which is all the mitzvot. But each and every one of us has a very specific mitzvah mission, which you can identify by looking to where your Yetzirah most points to. Where your Yetzirah is giving you the greatest challenges, there you go, this is your job. You know, not what people were hoping for. Most people would like to think that my mission is what I'm really good at. And that's also part of your mission. But another part of your mission is what you're really bad at. Now again, what you're really bad at in terms of the world of, you know, Torah, mitzvahs, you know, a person might not be so great at Humor. Well, there's no myths for thou shalt be funny. But uh, but wherever our Yetzirah, you know, some people have a Yetzirah for gossip. There you go. Some people have a Yetzirah for money. There you go. Uh, years ago, you might have remembered there was a woman who was in the Olympics for skating and her brothers broke the legs of her competitor. I don't have that Yetzirah. <laughs> you know, like that's a big Yetzirah that you so much want your sister to win the Olympics that you broke the legs of the competitor. That's that that that's a big Yetzirah. So uh, so we, we we have general mitzvahs to do, uh, but specifically within the context of that, 
we all have a unique kind of Yetzirah. Nobody should ever judge anybody else's Yetzirah because everybody's got a very different kind of a Yetzirah. So that's your very specific job right there is where, where is your Yetzirah most hitting you? And there you go. That's, that's what you got to work on. Some people have a Yetzirah for anger. Some people have a Yetzirah for depression. Some people have a Yetzirah for fame and money. And, and uh, you know, some people have a Yetzirah to teach Torah all day long and forget about their mother and their father and their sister, their brother, their wives, their children. You know, that could be a Yetzirah too. You could have a guy who's in Kolel, he learns and he learns and learns, but it's a Yetzirah because he's not going home. He's not taking care of his family. I'm not saying, I'm not saying all do that, but that too could be an addiction. You know, I heard Riv Tversky talk about that. You know, sometimes that's an addiction and that's a Yetzirah. So sometimes a Yetzirah is dressed up like a Yetzirah Wow, that's a real tough Yetzirah to figure out that you think that you're, you're, you're doing good when in fact it's, uh, you know, it's your Yetzirah really camouflaged. In fact, there's a, there's a piece in the Talmud that says that in the future, you know, the Yetzirah will be disguised as a Torah scholar. And that's going back to this idea of Esau tried to convince his father that he was a really from guy and he was asking Shilas about tithing salt and oh, my son, yeah, you know, Esau, you're so from, you're so machmir, I can't believe it. And so it's telling us that sometimes, you know, evil dresses up like good. One of the most evil people in the history of the Jewish people is a man named Lavan, which means white. In other words, you know, like a mafia leader whose name is Whitey, You're like, hey, Whitey, you know, so Lavan was so evil, so dark, but his name was white. So sometimes our Yetzirah is quite, uh, quite a, uh, an illusionist, knows how to fool us. Rabbi. Yes, Len. My name, my name is Michael Epstein. My how claim, are you? Who's talking? Oh, there you are. Yes, Michael. Yes. My claim to fame is Ellie Joshua. I'm his lady. Ah, that's a claim to fame, yes. Um, when, I, when I'm asked about why God chose us, the Jewish people, I'm told that God wanted that God had the I wanted uh, God had the Torah, and He wanted to make sure that everybody, all humanity, implements the Torah. And, and He tried originally to go directly to the each each human race. Yes. But that didn't work out. Yes. So he, he, he said, I will choose a, another, a nation to represent me. Yes. To make it happen. So our job is to uh, go around and make sure that the rest of humanity believes in God and what's in the Torah. Does that, is that, how's that child? Yeah, 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 yeah. It says that Hashem went to all the nations and said, would you like the Torah? And the nations said, well, well, what's in it? And he said, well, thou shalt not steal. And I said, uh, that's, uh, that's actually the basis of our economy. Uh, that's that's going to be a problem. Uh, forget about that. We'll, uh, we'll pass on that. Uh, and, and so basically Hashem pointed out what the Yitzhahara was. And they said, oh, no, no, no. That's, that's just not natural for us. We, we, we don't want a Torah that's going to ask us to do something that doesn't come easy. And, you know. So, uh, but the goal of the Jewish people is not to make everybody Jewish. The goal everybody is to bring is our, God, our job is to be a role model to show the world what it means to live God consciously. All of mankind have seven mitzvot, 
which entails a tremendous amount of detail to fulfill those seven mitzvot. Uh, but uh, our job is to bring the world, to help the world become not only a good world, but a very good world. Thank you for asking that and sharing that. More questions or comments? Shabbat, I'm Brian yes. Gordon, uh, Jonah, Jonah Gordon's dad. Um, oh, wow. I just want to, first of all, uh, thank you and thank uh, Orida for the just incredible, unbelievable experience that he has had. He describes it as just life-changing uh, this year has been for him and uh, for our family as well. So I just want to thank you for that, and we'll definitely be supporting uh, your drive. I have thank one you. question. Uh, make sure you go to my page because they're going to fire me. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, my one question is, what is your – you talk about angels and how they come out of the uh, right year. What is your advice uh, that you, you that we should have as parents – as they move on to the next stage of life in a college campus in the United States and the challenges. Yeah. Well, so Rav Tzvi Yehuda Kook, uh, one of the great uh, sages of uh, not so long ago, uh, he said, there are three things you need to know as a parent. And this is it. This is what you need to know to succeed as a parent. The first thing you need is patience. The second thing you need is patience. And the third thing you need is patience. Uh, means you should be a doctor and support your kids. What it basically means is it takes a lot of time. I mean, thank God we have uh, seven children. And one of the things that I learned is children go through phases. So if your kid is not quite where you want them to be, don't get so freaked out because it might be a phase. Not that you shouldn't monitor it, but you, you might fight a battle and lose a war. So you, you want to pick your battles and figure out how to be, you know, uh, you know how to guide them in a way that uh, you also enable them to make the choices that you would like them to make, but still has to be their choice. Uh, it, college is really challenging. Uh, in our experience, the boys in college, they go to Minion. Uh, generally do much better because they identify with the society that they kind of check in with every day. And so that really kind of that camaraderie helps them. We also encourage our guys to take leadership on campus, get involved on campus with the JLIC or with any outreach organization, because when you become a contributor, uh, you actually gain more from what you're doing than the, even the people you're influencing. And so uh, we find that the guys that do get involved on campus and try to help enhance Jewish life on campus, they themselves do much better in their Jewish life on campus. Thank you. More questions or comments or compliments? I'm, I'm open to those too. <laughs> to the gentleman before, it's important if the kids can come on to the weekly shiurim that are right to give. I see the ones who come and it's very, very helpful and very meaningful for them and for everyone else. They might want to encourage that for his, uh, for everyone. Great. Yeah, well, we, we have uh, a lot of follow-up. Um, we have someone hired, two people that are actually hired to do the follow-up. Uh, all students know that the Rebbe's are available I tell the guys you can call me for no reason. 
so uh, we're there for the guys, you know, and a big part of what a writer does is builds the Talmud Rebbe relationship because that's that's really in the end more than the content. It's the contact that makes the difference. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a compliment for a writer. My grandson is Ben Shore. He's been out now. This is his third year out of school. And the fact that the Rebbies make it their business to come visit the campuses yeah. in the States year after year, which yes. is a, not an easy thing to do, especially if you're yeah. up in Binghamton, where he is. Yeah. Um, it's just an amazing thing how it becomes not just that one year or two years, but there is a system in place with a lot of effort on the part of the yeshiva yes. to stay in touch with the alumni. And that's a, a very powerful thing. I've never seen that Thank before. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And that's one of the reasons why we definitely need financial help because our budget, <laughs> you know, it has to include that kind of, that kind of uh, investment of sending the Rebbies there. And it's, a, it, it uh, you know, absolutely I'm, I'm right on board absolutely excellent thank you so much thank you so much well okay well then thank you so much and uh uh please uh you can go online now and uh and help uh boost the uh the the and accelerate our efforts uh in the campaign that would be amazing and thank you so much and it was uh, great to see you and look forward to uh learning more together